From our headquarters in New York City, this is Business of Home. I'm your host, Dennis Scully. Every week, I'll be talking to leaders and innovators from all corners of the home industry. I hope you'll join me. Aside from being the go-to event for new furniture debuts, High Point Market has become a destination for designer education. The Universal Learning Center returns to Spring Market with a lineup of sessions offering the tools and tips required to run a successful design practice today. Preview the event schedule and reserve your seat at universalfurniture.com slash market events. That's universalfurniture.com slash market events. And now, on with the show. My guest this week is Jamie Drake, who is the principal of Drake Anderson. So nice to have you here. Well, I want to thank you for having me over here, and I'm, I'm going to be building my own recording studio with a soundproof <laughs> door because I love it. Yes, you need one of these, in Absolutely. The, right? Absolutely. Well, I wanted to try and have sort of a different conversation with you. Okay. I'd love to know what's really important to, to you these days. Laughter. Okay. Calm. <laughs> okay. The calm times. Um, good night's sleep. You know, I, I... Does that not come easy? It, it, when it There are nights when it doesn't come. Okay. Or, or it doesn't happen. It, I always fall asleep very quickly. Okay. But then I have roiling dreams throughout the night. And the nights when you don't have that, it's a wonderful contrast. Yeah. And the dreams can be personal. They can be business Related, okay. They often are. Okay. Um, they're not nearly sexual enough. Um, <laughs> you wish there was more of that that's content, right? Yeah, exactly. And well, maybe that comes with my age. But I think that it's about that whole thing about what defines luxury these days. And I think a sense of calm, peace, which doesn't necessarily mean you're sonambulant, right? Um, it could be in a maximalist surrounding with a lot of color, and if that's what makes you serene, sure, um, and gives you a sense of peace. But um, it's about creating those things, and that's what truly luxury is about. And, and that's what you're trying to, to find these days. It's what I feel very blessed that I do find very often. Okay. And the contrast is those moments when you feel tense, yeah. when anxiety ratchets up. Um, it, it's the contrast to being reminded, oh, what a lucky guy I am, how much of my life really is fabulous, right. how I get to go wonderful place to be world. distracted yeah. and yeah. and um, I think that it's um, not probably unlike what your divine wife was searching for <laughs> yes. when she decided that she was done with working exactly and she wanted a more peaceful life I bet she bakes and bakes and does wonderful she, eating never better yeah, exactly a, a meal is on the table when I get home she's reading novels she's volunteering at the botanical garden so yes now do you do you think about stopping working? Yes. I'm not one of those people who um, feels that I need to work till 900 years old. Right. I mean, I, I read the New York Times obituaries daily. Do you? And I so often you'll see an obituary for um, Joe, Joe Smith, and he died at 97, and he was in the office up until the week before his death. That does not seem like a dream to me. Yeah. Um, That's not how you want to go out. No. 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 So was that part of what was on your mind when you decided to ask Caleb Anderson if he would partner with you? You know, when I, when I decided that it was time for me to maybe change things, I looked at a variety of different concepts. I tossed them over and looked them in the mirror with myself, mm -hmm. and I decided that a, a partnership was the one that I wanted to pursue. Okay. Um, and partially it was 
the future just in all ways. Okay. Um, so how do we continue to grow? Right. Because uh, we we're continuing to grow with more and more work coming in. Right. More and more staff. How do we continue to service properly the clients that I have um, been blessed to have some of them for 30 years, 32 yeah. years. Yeah. Um, and keep it vital and keep it energetic. How to continue to attract um, uh, the right staff and how to do that in a way that wasn't less, that was maybe less stressful on myself. Okay. Or that at least I shared the pain. Uh, <laughs> and you, did you outline that for Caleb when you sort of first spoke to him about it? I know, yes. you, didn't, I know you didn't think he was going to say yes, which I think Correct. is so Correct. You're absolutely right. I didn't think he would say yes um, since he was already um, so on his way to being established as a sole practitioner. Yeah. You know, he had his, he had already hung his shingle out. He was working for a few years. He, right. You you knew who he was. He wasn't yeah. some hidden no, no, absolutely. guy in a corner. I mean, yeah. he was working away and... Get, doing his great work, which got press. Right. And he's a lovely person in a, an appealing way of speaking, which is yes. different than the way I do. And do you think? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think, I'm, I think I'm, I'm valuable. As somebody once said, I work things out as I speak. I, if you say something to me, I, I work out the answer why I'm speaking. Caleb thinks about it, develops the answer, <laughs> and then speaks. Right. Right. So all those pauses out there in the yes. audience, those were on purpose. <laughs> that was Caleb thinking. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so that's a nice counterbalance then Correct. For, for you. And, and I know that you've talked about the fact that, so uh, for, the, for those in the audience that might not know, uh, Caleb originally was an intern with, with Jamie, right? Correct. He, he did a college internship with me. He went back to Texas, finished his education, graduated, got a job in Texas. Um, and about a year after that, I offered him a job in New York and he... He waffled on that one. He wasn't okay. quite sure he wanted to move to New York and leave Texas, but um, I owe it all to his father, who I've still never had the pleasure of meeting. I've met his mother, but not his father. I said, huh. what, are you, what are you, crazy? Jamie Drake offers you a job, and you're not sure. He right. said, leave Texas and go. And he did, and he worked for me for three years. And then at the end of those three years, he decided he wanted to experience other aspects of the industry, and he went to work for another firm that had um, a more um, mixed bag of client projects, including retail, including some hospitality, right. and it wasn't as highly residential as, as my firm. And he stayed there one year um, and then went and opened his own firm. And so by that point, he had, a, had the experience of working for a, a few people, mm -hmm. and so he had that broad right. um, background already. So he had really had some experience running a shop and, and sort of managing all the struggles that you've outlined, right? And, right? and making the decisions about investing in his marketing and doing show houses. And yeah. and, and it's interesting, and, and we actually talk about that a, a, a great deal here on the, on the show, that it's interesting that interior designers are sort of charged with doing their own marketing and right and managing their business and that often the design part of how they spend their time has become increasingly less and, and less. As it is with me. I, I, we're, I'm a designer in that I'm a great, um, I understand the client's goals and visions, even in having to intuit them. But I regret, I don't get out into like the showrooms for hours at a time right. shopping that's not something i get to do anymore what i get to do is say to designers on our on our staff 
I want exactly this shade of blue and I want something lush or plush or I want something shiny and with sheen or textural and casual um, and set the, the vision clearly okay. and then have them come and um, have their input and bring things to us. So and, and then do they go out to the design yes. centers and, yes. and find? Yeah. I mean, so someone in the office is still taking advantage of the resources at, at, at design centers, right? Especially when it comes to textiles. Okay. Textiles, I think you have to experience the hand. I don't, it's, you, might, you might have a, a way of shopping online, but until you right. get the hand, you don't know. Yeah. Um, where we do buy objects and furniture. Um, sight unseen. So, sometimes sight unseen. Yeah. But, but, you, but you know the dealer or, or you know the manufacturer, you know the quality, or, you know, we do high-low sometimes, you know, right. we know it's a, a great deal yeah. and it's very, very, very well-priced and you have to have your expectations accordingly. So, so talk to me about that high-low. So I, th- I think most people would assume from, from what they know of your clientele, right, that you've got, all, you've got Madonna and you've got Mayor Bloomberg and that all of these people are sort of operating on a very high level but so it's it's interesting to that you suggest that you sort of do high low so are there are there some clients that that come to you that want to mix or have a certain budget or? not not all of our clients are billionaires <laughs> right. um it's a goal um, yes you'd like to just have them all be at it's that a level, goal it's okay. a goal but okay. uh, uh there are clients who we do you know projects that don't have as lavish budgets right and we have to figure out how to make them look complete within those budgets and so that sometimes requires some some clever um uh sleight of hand yeah yeah and and so i mean is that is that what people are asking for more and more these days do you find no okay i think but they're mostly most of our clients we are lucky that we have clients who are um, extremely um successful extremely well to do and comfortable and for them um they want things that are distinctive unique Mm -hmm. that are tailor-made that are that are truly couture right because that's such an overused word couture yeah you know but and bespoke Mm -hmm. but things that truly are bespoke where uh uh there are beautiful suede lined watch drawers in a man's dressing room for 200 watches and we have one going in right now wow now that's truly bespoke and tailor-made yes um and couture you know, just the word couture doesn't make it couture. <laughs> right. Um, okay. You know, a lampshade, still going back to the what was so popular in the 80s, all the gorgeous handmade. We don't, I haven't done yeah. a smocked lampshade in a million <laughs> years, but how beautiful those old smocked lampshades were right. where the smock stitch might be a contrast color and be perfectly done in a little a little kiss, a little X. Um you know, that's couture, and that's yeah. bespoke. And that's what those clients at that level want. Yes. yes. I wish they still wanted an 18th or 19th century sideboard, too. Right. But that... But that's totally out of favor right now. Yes. We have yes. one client who still has a passion for um, antiques, mm-hmm. and we bought some incredible pieces for a project we're working on with them right now. And it's wonderful to have that contrast still, but it makes yeah. me sad that with all the contemporary projects we're doing if we suggest an antique chair to mix something in and they they yeah. don't get it yeah they don't get it and they don't really want an antique if you can convince them that they should have that visually right get a reproduction get it made 
get a reproduction. So they don't understand what it makes it so special, the, the antique piece. Right. So, and, and is, that a, is, that a, is that a younger client, or is that, I mean, that, that is sort of eschewing antiques yes. these days? You know, younger can be up to 50. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. That's younger than me. <laughs> well, but you seem so young. You know, you don't. You seem That's sort of just timeless. My attitude. Well, yeah. I mean, and 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 you've always been so great. I mean, you've always been so full of energy and such a positive figure. Well, thank you. I, I'm glad I give that perception off. I'm sure that <laughs> there are those negative moments that yeah. that most of us struggle with. That probably make those nights when I'm sleepless. Yeah. Not so so good. And 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 so and a lot of that is is sort of client related stress that you're taking home at the at the I end do. Of the day? I yeah. take it personally and I really care about our clients and I I care when they think we don't care enough or something, which mm. sometimes happens. Do I mean, they say that to you? That they don't think you care enough or they convey that somehow? They convey that. Okay. Yes. Okay. They can convey that. I don't know that anybody's ever said that bluntly like that right. but but they make you feel that way you know you can they can convey you're not being sensitive to our feeling that we must be in and finished now ah uh, okay um this uh, is what's important yes you know, it's like but we can't we're not it's not there yet it's not there yeah um and and is that a challenge for clients how long projects take yes yes i think that's the number one the number one challenge, challenge because i think what happens is along the way it's the rare client who just has such a passion for it that they just get energized on it and they never want right. it to end. And, right. Um, and there are some who do. Uh-huh. But most clients, they get a little worn out. And if you don't get it all in at the beginning, all the the tabletop and the the bedding and the sheets yeah. and all the finest, they're worn out. They don't want any. They don't want to make a... <laughs> uh, Go away. So, so what do you tell them in the beginning about how long it is going to take? I always try and be really truthful. And I'm okay. sure that it, it. I'm sure that it cost us jobs over the time. You know, it's the same thing with budget. Right. I don't. I know that clients must be hiring people sometimes who just lie to them, and I don't know how they deal with it down the road. Right. But you know, well, no, you know, we're going to only spend a million dollars. You can't renovate and furnish a five-story townhouse. On a million dollars, and so, yet they've hired somebody who's sold them this bill of goods. Right. You tell it like it is. I and, I, right? I think that being uh, truthful and transparent is essential. It's not just advisable. Yeah. I won't do it any other way. Right. But I know we have a project right now where I always said it couldn't be completed in a year. Contractors knew that, and one of them put a bid in with a time frame that said it would be. There's a um, owner's rep on this project. Oh. Who said. It could be, and it's not. And I'm the only man who said from the beginning... <laughs> that it wouldn't be. Right. Yeah. Right. And so now... It's not. There's some tension. Okay. And the client's not happy. And the client's rep is not happy. It's one of those discussions I had to have the other day where I said, you know, I know what your job is. I understand it. I respect it. It's to, right. to deliver the client's wishes. But sometimes that includes saying no, mm. because you need to deliver a beautiful project to them, which is what they've hired and, and paid for and planned for for years. And so sometimes you have to say, no, that's not possible. So who's, who's, coming, to, who's coming to Jamie Drake? To, Drake Anderson. To, to Drake Anderson. Yes. Who's coming to Drake Anderson? To, I mean, we, you, have, we have clients of a variety of ages. We have... Um, clients in their mid to late 70s who are still doing new projects is that right uh, yes including including one 
um, who she hasn't closed yet. She's buying the apartment next door to her. And in the small world, it's it's. I've worked for her for 25 years. When I met her the first time, it was kind of a game of Jewish geography, if you know what that is. You're not tip, <laughs> but that's like, where are you from? I don't, I don't, right, of course. I said, and what's your? Oh, I said, I said I was from that. I was from New Haven too, in the area. And what was your maiden name? And then I said, was you, were you related to blah blah? And right. she burst into tears. It was her mother, oh, and her kidding. mother and my mother were very very good friends. But we have enough age difference. We didn't know each other. You're kidding. And that isn't how I came to meet her. Right. I was introduced by someone else. Okay. And. If you can believe this, her parents are buried next to my parents. You are kidding. No. So, um, wow. Oh, my gosh. We so have she a special got all... connection. Yes. But... No wonder she got all emotional. Right. But here she is. Well, her, and her mother had just recently yeah. died at that point. Yeah. But um, all those years ago. But, you know, here's somebody in her 70s now, her later 70s, who's, you know, expanding and combining. And we have another client who we're just, who I've worked with for years on right. many other projects. Again, bought an apartment next door. It's often about aging in place. Mm-hmm. Let me get more space. Right. Let me do a bathroom that's barrier-free, just in case, God forbid. And okay. Let me get more space so that if I have to have somebody live with me, they're further away. Right. They ha- they're not just sleeping on a cot in the living room. Yeah. Um, yeah. That there's proper setups. So that's one extreme. And then the other extreme is we have a client right now who's... 23 or 24. So it, so, it, so you really have a, a, a wide range of clients these mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, but we'll be right back. Learn how to scale your design practice, get your work in print, and become the ideal brand ambassador at Universal's Learning Center during High Point Market. Industry insiders Shayla Kopis, Gail Doby, Natalie Riddell, and more will be leading discussions on how to set your design business up for success. Preview the event's lineup and reserve your seat at universalfurniture.com slash market events. That's universalfurniture.com slash market events. And now, on with the show. Let's go back to, to the beginning when you first got started. So you, you got that out That was of- a 1978. Can we have... Can we have some background <laughs> yes. music? Is it disco? Exactly. Maybe. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Lower the disco ball. Right. And Saturday Night Fever is a big hit movie. Yeah, love, yeah. love to love you, baby. And uh, so 1978. Yes. You're, you're coming out of, of Parsons. Yes. Right? I came out of Parsons. I'd already come out before that. But you, yes, yeah, I graduated right. from yes. Parsons. <laughs> when did you come out? Let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. all right. Yeah. Is that another show, another well, episode? We can go in that direction. So you came out of Parsons and... I feel like, I mean, I, I, I know that you said in the past you did an internship with Angela Dongia. While I was at Parsons, yes. correct. Right. And one summer. One summer, right. So, mm-hmm. and, and at the time, what, what was Angela Dongia doing? Had he launched the furniture at that he point? He had or? furniture with, he had, he, he had a company called And Vice Versa, okay. which was the uh, predecessor of the current Dongia that you know. Right. Um, he, there was furniture. There was fabrics, right. not a vast, vast amount, yeah. but there were and vice versa fabrics. There were prints by Richard Giglio, mm-hmm. um, his yeah. great friend and the sure. artist who just died just last yes. two years ago. Right, um, And then he also was delving into mass market furniture, and I worked on his introductions for a company called, um, I think it was pronounced Crayler, hmm. but it was spelled Crowler, K-R-O-E-H-L-E-R. Right. And it was a uh, mass market 
furniture collection. I worked on those drawings. He had Interesting. just bought the famous Octagon House in Key West, and I worked on some of the elevations for that house while I was in the office. So you so, had a lot of different experiences. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, yeah. So it sounded like it, it taught you a lot in that, in that sort of brief period that yeah. you were, that you were yes. there. Yes. Yeah. And did and did you realize sort of who Angelo Dongia oh, was? Oh, absolutely. So you knew my sort of my, my father's first cousin was Angelo's mentor. So I didn't get just really? hired because I was the most brilliant kid at Parsons. Yeah, I was. It was a familial connection that um, Yale Burge was my father's first cousin. Okay, and famously, yeah, Angelo's first job or second job was for was, Yale. Was with Yale Burge, yeah. and then it became Burge Dongia, and then when. When Yale sadly died so young and early, right. um, it became Dongi, and then Dongi and Martin for a little bit. Hmm. Bob I'd, Martin. I'd forgotten and, about that. And um, it okay. was, and then back to Dongi. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then he, Angelo, sadly died so young. And yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was very poignant. So. You came out of Parsons, and I feel like you went out on your own. I did, of, right? but it, as, I, as I say, it wasn't by design. It was okay. by chance. Um, when I was in high school, I had um, a brief moment at a, at a Fonsi Ponzi private school, <laughs> just okay. a couple of months, and uh-huh. I met friends there. Right. And two of them, a boy and a girl, became boyfriend and girlfriend, and she came to Parsons at the same time to go to fashion department, and her boyfriend... They moved to New York. He, right. he, his father was in New York. And she called me up two days after graduation and said, Errol and his father both decided to move. And they thought, you might like to do the apartments. What do you think? And I said, great. So I had two projects in the same um, Fifth Avenue building. They, were, they took two apartments on the same floor in the, what was then a new building, okay. um, um, 805th, directly a, north of the Pierre. Yeah. And at wow. that point, that was a posh new rental building. Oh, okay. Um, I think it is, it's still a rental building. Interesting. Um, one of the uh, other tenants at the time in the building was um, a man and his his newlywed wife, Donald and Ivanka, uh, Ivana Trump. Oh, yes, I've heard of them. And okay. He, and they were working with a designer named Barbara Green. Oh. And Barbara hired me to help do some renderings for her. And it was a very colorful crowd in that building under construction and everybody Absolutely. moving and grooving. So what a great scene and, and what a great time. Right. And, and were, you, were you at all sort of intimidated about taking on this big project? I knew them, I knew them quite well. Right. Both the father and the son. Uh-huh. The son and my dear friend's apartment, the girlfriend, the smaller apartment came out great. Okay. And the one for the father... Didn't come out so great because he was a, a kind of a tyrant. He was a master of the universe of the period, oh. and he knew exactly what he... Oh, so he got to, very involved. So was that an early lesson about mm-hmm. client, clients and their level of involvement and, and sort of the and trying to And trying to not be, too, not be agreeable if it's not appropriate. It's yeah. again like going back to sometimes the thing that's the better... Um, thing for the client is not to be agreeable to them. You have to say no. You have to learn how to say no. Yes. And explain it. And that's hard to do with masters of the universe, right? Yes. I mean, they're big, mm-hmm. intimidating figures. Well, but many of them, another of my famous clients, I think, entrust me because I say no sometimes. Yeah. And I think he truly respects that. Yeah. Okay. I'm not a yes man. <laughs> I say it like it is. Right. Well, so you're that way now. But so in the beginning, when you were just getting started, the first few right, years were more difficult. Your practice, yes. right? It was a more yeah. difficult. Yes. But so 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 you did a couple of Fifth Avenue apartments, which is which is pretty auspicious and then, beginning, and then within um, 
just a month or two after that, um, a, a man who I was no longer dating, but who I dated during my last year of school, who I was crazy about, um, called and said, uh, my wife, they were never divorced, oh. um, but they did not live together, but um, has decided to move into the city from the suburbs, and she's bought a beautiful apartment on Sutton Place, and I suggested that she hire you to do it, which she did. And, <laughs> wow. And so I was working for my ex-lover's, ex-lover's current wife. wife. Right. Wow, how complicated. Ex- how how modern, how, uh, how 70s. Yes. yes, and did she know? Did she understand yeah, I think all she of the did. things at play? Okay. Yeah, I mean, they had been separated for 10 years. Right. Um, okay. To my knowledge, I don't even know if, they're still, if they may still be married. <laughs> I mean, she may still be waiting for an annulment to come through. Okay, so, so projects started to, to come, come in. in. And then um, via Parsons and their... Um, their post-graduation um, student services, got a, I got a lot of referrals through them. So they had a good program for They that. did okay. at that point, yes. Huh. At that point. At that point. I'm on the board of Parsons now, right. and we can, we can improve in that area. We're working on it. So you're very involved with Parsons, and, and one of the things that I, that I admire so much about you is that you give so much of your time to to uh, to various organizations that you feel strongly about. I, I yes, think. and today I just came right from Kips Bay. And today um, you just came from Kips Bay. Uh, uh, to co-chairing uh, the show house this year with Alexa Hampton. Yes. And co-chairing the President's Dinner with Bunny Williams. And today we had our, our kickoff designer meeting in the house. Got it. Um, order your tickets today. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Let's get back to the to the early days of your career because I want to understand sort of what the landscape was like in the design world at the at the time. So so who were some of the who were some of the big designers of the of the day that that people would would recognize or, um, or maybe everyone's forgotten. Well, there, I have to say that there are a lot of names that people won't remember. Yeah. Um, when I once was at Hearst for the a next wave event, and I sat on the stage with, I think it was with Sophie, and um, out to the audience, I said, you know, because they were talking about legacy. Am I worried about my legacy? And I said, yeah. legacy, schmegacy. That's not what I'm worried <laughs> about because there's scant few people who are remembered. There you right. have the you have uh, the Billy Baldwin's, yeah. and you have the Albert Hadleys and Sister Parishes, but. Right. Then I said, well, what about these names? These were the biggest names you could think of in the 80s. Bobby Metzger. Right. Ruben de Saavedra. Michael DeSantis. You know, Angelo's name is remembered. Sure. But most people don't know that there was an Angelo Dongia. They just know Dongia. Right. They know it as a product company. I don't think that they know that there was a person yeah. um, behind it. People, people who are graduating, say, now. Mm-hmm. Or people in their 20s and 30s. You know, we, have, we live in a time of, of short memory, whether it's designers or singers or actresses. So many of those names have, have been forgotten, but, the, but those, were, those were some. You know the names. I, you're, I do. Because you're a design addict. But, but, <laughs> well, this is, this is my world. And right, this, but uh, plenty of people industry. don't know yeah. those names. Yeah. Um, but those were the people that were, were very much setting some of, the, some of the style. I mean, right? Yale Birch. Yes, exactly. Right. What was the what was the sort of landscape like? What were where where were you shopping? What were you? How was how was business sort of being conducted? It was more of a consolidation. So certainly, the D and D was the brain and the heart was the place, right? right. But but there's a, been a huge um, dispersal and diffusion mm-hmm. of of showrooms. When we moved our office from 62nd and um, off of Second, where because it used to be so important to be near to the, be near the D and D, yeah. There's just as many resources in Soho 
in Chelsea, right. in right. London, in Paris, as yeah. there are at the D&D, who we use. And we ended up moving to um, um, Irving Place, just below Gramercy Park and mm-hmm. 18th Street. Yeah. And I can remember, it was after we had made the move, or after I signed the lease, I can't remember which, but I asked our director of finance, I said, you know, I'm curious, who are our two, three biggest um, resources, the people we bought the most from, spent the most money with? Right. And our number one that year was Ralph Pucci on 18th Street. Now, huh. I did not choose to be on 18th <laughs> Street right because, next door to right, him. because it was close, but uh, a very funny coincidence. That is. Probably not too many designers would say their number one source was, well, that was, was Ralph Pucci. Right. And that was honestly yeah, what it was that again, year. Again, that speaks to your, your clientele. Yes. Yes. Right. Okay, so you were right next to, to Ralph Pucci. And, right. and but back in the late 80s, we were working for a billionaire of another moment in time, still billionaire, okay. um, but with a different look. That was, the, you know, the, the Robert Barron great. Right. And I think our number one uh, vendor was Scala Mandre. Ah. Because for one room alone of a project we did, and this is in the 80s, the fabrics that we had custom made for the window treatments and upholstery in this room and the wood mold fringe and all of the passementry was, I think, a, a quarter of a million dollars <sighs> in the 80s. Yes. Imagine how much it would be today. Yes. Yes, exactly. Well, so, and that's what was keeping all those companies in business all those years, was those window treatments that people don't seem to do as much anymore. Right. I mean, all those, we had clients, we were big vendors at at Brunswick and and Scalamandre of the finest Lyonnaise brocades and brocatelles and fabulosities. (laughs) Um, One of the great things at that point, though, was Scalamandre was doing it still, a lot of it in Long Island City. Right. They had their factories there. Yeah, that's all. When I had the opportunity to redo Gracie Mansion for Mayor Bloomberg in 2002, just after he won the election uh, following 9-11, right. um, we had the great good fortune to have Scalamandre still based and, and standard trimming um, at yeah. Goodman. Um, yeah. Right, and that was so important at the it time. It was, Yeah, it was. How did, Mayor, how did Mayor Bloomberg become a, a client? How did that relationship first get started? Because you've been with him for quite some time. Yes. I, we, I know Mike and I um, have known each other. I consider him a great friend as well as a great, great, great client. Um, over 30 years now, probably 30, 32 years. It'll be 32 years, I think. 32 or 33 years. Hmm. And I was introduced to him by um, someone who remains a great friend to this day, who's an art and antique consultant. Okay. And you and you just hit it off, and yeah, we did seem to hit it off. I, um, I remember meeting him in the house that they had. He and his then wife had just bought the right. house he still lives in on Seventy Ninth Street. Yeah, and it was a wreck of a house at that point. <laughs> um, it had been partially the ground floor had been partially made into doctors' offices, and we stood in this falling apart kitchen. And I don't know. I don't. I don't know that he even had time to look at my portfolio, as I remember. We just kind of chatted for twenty minutes, half an hour. I guess he decided. He seems all right. I don't know. Yeah, you know, he's like you, know guy. you know, he's a guy who makes quick decisions. You, right. you don't get to be that successful yeah. without being decisive, yeah. taking a chance. He said, okay, send a contract. Um, I guess he figured worst case is we'll fire him like we fired the one before. <laughs> I apparently was, was replacing someone who had been hired who, who oh. to my, I don't know whatever happened, whether he never made a presentation, whether he made the presentation, they didn't like it. I, I don't know. Okay. It didn't work out. It didn't work okay. out. So I you were brought were, in. Yes. And it did work And out. here we are, 32 yeah. years later, still working together. And he's still in that 79th Street house. Yes, he is. Yes. 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 I mean, you, you sort of joke, but I mean, how did you become the, the billionaire's decorator? I mean... How did that become a thing for you? 
You know, there's a lot of very rich people out there. There really <laughs> are. Um, and so once you start to do some projects of that level, okay, then I think you... The word gets around? The word gets around or they get to... They all talk to each other, do they? No. No, <laughs> I think most of the clients these days, if you're on the lists, mm. the Elder Corps, A-list, okay. Okay. AD100. Right, so that's where they go to. There's a lot of people who go to that list. Okay. Those okay. lists, absolutely. So, right, okay. We just signed up clients from the West Coast, billionaires, and they went to the list. They went to the list. Right. They saw your name and right. they, they looked right. at your work. and Right. Yeah. And, and so what is it that people see in your work that say, yes, you're, 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 you're the man for, for us? First, you have to get the call. If they come in and you don't click, right. even if they saw it in the work, they're not going to hire you. Right. Every relationship um, has to really click. And, and, you know, now they have um, two people sitting opposite, Caleb and myself. Right. And because we balance each other well, I think we have a great strength that way. Mm-hmm. And some clients like my more, I think, aggressive nature. And some clients like Caleb's more thoughtful nature. And certainly we work on all of our projects together mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Um, and do they come wanting you? Do they, do they, I mean, they understand, right, that you're not going to be taking care of every little thing. No sophisticated right? client, you know, expects. Has that expectation. Right, I don't think so. They know that yeah. you don't get things done that okay. way. Okay, so you get things done. Right. You're, you're a high service operation, right? As I remember from my years and years ago when I was involved with ASID more, mm. I'm still a, a proud ASID member, and I am an FASID, Fellow of the American Society of Interior Designers. Um, Excellent. That National had done a study on expectations of clients. And it was like 90% assumed that every designer they were interviewing had talent. But they did not assume every designer had or the organization or organizational skills to get their job done in an efficient manner that was respectful of their money. How, how have clients sort of changed for you over the years? What, what's different about how people work with you today? Well, they do come in more informed up front. used to be where you, they might get a name they don't know anything about you. And they had to come in or you had to go to them and show them your book, mm-hmm. which literally was, you know, like a scrapbook yeah. or like a photo album. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember having ones from T. Anthony that had stamped in gold and everything, <laughs> but with like those acetate pages. Right, so. sure. So now, by the time they call you, they know all about your work. Right. Because they've Googled you, they've looked at your website. Right. They've probably read some articles. So they're sort of pre-sold already. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, it's a more of a formality. And then it's the getting to know the people in person. Yes, clients also have access to more information. Right. So if they have the time, and very few of our clients have that kind of time, they can sit there and doodle around themselves and come sure. back and say, hey, I just found this same mirror or same lamp um, on some obscure website and it's, <laughs> it's the 20% less. Well, you know, we don't sell discounts. We sell expertise, right. time, efficiency, talent, vision. And that really only happens for the most part with your um, younger clients mm-hmm. who are on st- tighter, stricter budgets. Okay. But most of your clients, to your point, 
They don't have that kind of time. No. They're coming to you to take care of yes. all of that, right? They're yes. not shopping online no. or trying to compare, right? right? I mean, if somebody, if they had had some outside resource go and check and found that you consistently had things that were double what they could have been somewhere else, you'd have a problem. Right. But most of what we do is to the trade. It's a fixed price. It's not, you know, what's the discount occasionally you're still asked? Well, the reality is if it's to the trade, there isn't really a discount. There's a, there's a number yeah. that we're calling the net number, but the rest is just all kind of this fabrication to say you're getting back to a discount. Where can you buy it at full price? You can't. Yeah. Exactly. And and so much to getting back to your earlier conversation, so much of what you're doing today is really bespoke or is really highly custom, yes. right? So it's not something that you can just order online anyway. No. I mean, even if you think about going to a, a quality manufacturer who's not necessarily custom, like, like Baker, mm-hmm. less so Baker, but maybe more like Theodore Alexander. Right. Baker, you can't fool around with the, the finishes. So all you're doing okay. is choosing a fabric, usually. Okay. But if you go to a Theodore Alexander, you can choose the chair number. Right. You can decide whether you want a contrast welt or not. Mm-hmm. You can choose the fabric, the contrast welt fabric. You might decide to have nail heads. These are all upcharges, of course. And then a different finish on the frame. Right. Well, that's a custom piece, even though it's a standard item. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the- Theodore Alexander for for a moment. You've you've got a, a collection with them. Yes, and uh, and you're and you're big in China. I'm big in China. Um, Theodore Alexander is a, a wonderful company that makes really beautiful quality things. So they have big markets in the Middle East, mm-hmm. um, in North and South America, more in North America than South, and in Asia, in China, China, um, uh, Jakarta, Singapore. So throughout Asia, and my sales are strong in Asia, um, very much so. Right. But, but just sort of coincidentally, I mean, none of that was really designed, no. right? No, it was really designed in my mind of, okay. of what a sophisticated global client would want. Yeah. Um, there's, been a, there's some things. We do have a, a dining table that has a Lazy Susan, right. but that's offered as an option. Okay. It's a separate piece. So that was, you mean that was specifically thought of for an Asian market? Yes, Got right. It. For China, okay. for China yeah, yeah. you have to offer dining tables that have Lazy Susans. Lazy Susans. Right. Okay. And I've been lucky to be been to China now uh, three times. And mm. I, I find China a wonderful country, a fascinating country. Um, and I think that there's just enormous opportunity there, even as they roll along on a sort of a roller coaster of ups and downs economically. There will, they will come out still with a vast number, tens of millions of people who are newly rich, right. who have nothing. Yeah. Who, who don't have generations or even a one generation of things to take heirlooms, but who must furnish their lives um, in a standard to match their newfound comfort. And so you think that's a tremendous opportunity for, yes. for designers and for the design world, Absolutely. manufacturers, et cetera. Right. Um, I have um, my, my furniture's in 15 stores currently in China and okay. hopefully more. Uh, when I went in uh, October... Of last year, I went for Benjamin Moore, who has a distributor now who has, I think it's 500 locations throughout China. Wow. And that's just the beginning in a couple of years. So is is that a place that you plan to spend more time in, in the future? Do we certainly that? hope that we will get um, some projects okay. 
in China, some residential projects, hospitality. There are people who are doing work there and right. very successfully. Yeah. Um, and so we look forward to hopefully joining those ranks. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's great. Well, so you've talked about not caring about your legacy, but what, so what, what do you care about? What do you want to have remembered about you or, or what do you want to accomplish? Before? Oh my God. Is this for the New York Times too? Are you, covering, <laughs> are you writing my obituary? Well, I, we want to have that file standing by. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, <laughs> BOH goes to the BOD business exactly. of death. Get the um, gold file ready. If we weren't sitting in this glamorous recording studio, uh, locked in behind the soundproof door, I'd go out and get my my, uh, New York Post with my horoscope, because I read that every day. And today's (laughs) was something along the line of, never judge yourself against other people. Um, We all have our own success and what defines it for us. And, you know, I I don't know. I I think the legacy question Mm. is one that I'm... I, I don't really concern because, I, as I just mentioned, all those names that nobody knows of. You know, very yeah. few people know of them. When, when you're gone, you're gone. Right. 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 Okay. So you're just trying to live your best do life you, now. Do you know, uh, you 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 know your gorgeous mother and your you know, your father, and you know your yeah. grandparents probably, yeah. and you probably know your great grandparents' names. Mm. Do you? No. No. Right. See. Right. Yeah, gone and forgotten, my great-grandparents. Gone, gone and forgotten. Sorry. I actually knew one of my great-grandparents, and I know some of their names. Okay. But I know in my mind and my heart how grateful I am, and I think about the ones five generations back, seven generations back, how hard they struggled, mm. probably, and how different their sense of joy was, and maybe more fleeting than what we enjoy today, yeah. and that we're just a blip on the spectrum. So that so that's how you really see it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to be a, a Kravis or a Coke or a Bloomberg with my name on many buildings, fountains and plazas, or be in a position to hugely affect politics and and the world i admire my dear mm. friend mike bloomberg so much were you for, counseling him about his run for president um he did not ask my <laughs> he opinion. didn't seek your advice on no, that he did not okay. seek my advice um, okay because he, he just pulled out and, and he's just, not yes, going to run just and yesterday very disappointing yes yes are you um, disappointed about that yes yes but i think you know he is an analytical person who looks at the facts right. and the numbers yes and his heart wants to do that but mm. if his mind says the numbers you just show me right. can't polling can't and graphics it and, yeah. and it's not going to work then let me move on that's a right. that's a very brave decision to say yeah. let me move on and take that same hundred million or one billion dollars and spend <laughs> yes. it in the next two years influencing campaigns yeah. and climate giving john hopkins a million a billion and a half dollars yeah. so they don't have to charge tuition anymore i mean how fabulous is that and so if i can do that on a little tiny individual <laughs> right. basis, and, that, and that inspires you and, yes. and that and that drives what you do so yes. so in in your own world and in the sphere that you can help influence you're, you're doing that as well yes and and you're giving back to the to the community right and i know so many people who are yeah. there's so many who are who are so committed so generous just it's it's inspiring but sometimes we also need to hope we hopefully inspire others who maybe haven't thought of that to reach into their pocket a little deeper and and to 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 give back more yeah. yes okay well that that's a very upbeat place to to leave our discussions my guest has been jamie drake who is the principal of drake anderson thank you so much jamie. thank you thank you again for joining us the show is business of home and i'm dennis scully if you like what you hear please feel free to subscribe tell a friend about the show and most of all leave us a review on itunes thank you again to our sponsor and our producers 
You can find us at businessofhome.com or on Facebook or Instagram. We'll see you next week.